Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, Native son and author Damon Young has not had his book banned, and he feels a way about that. He even talked about it at South by Southwest last week. But he has been following efforts locally to take down other books, one about a queer Black man and another about the Iranian Revolution. He's here to talk about his past life as a teacher, his latest triumph as a columnist with The Washington Post, plus a preview of his, well, actually our latest project dropping this week. It's Monday, March 21st. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Damon, you're a writer and an author. What book or author do you feel like inspired you most? Not necessarily one that you copied off of, but, you know. I mean, I could name the people I copied off of, too, because <laughs> that, that list is very long. In fact, all of the people who have inspired me are people that I've copied off of. And I think that all writers or all creatives, you know, you you model yourself sometimes subconsciously, sometimes very consciously after people that you're fans of people whose work just makes you just, just makes you want to do what you're doing. And it's the same with any creative endeavor. I mean, even when I was playing basketball, when I was growing up, when I was a young kid, my favorite players were like Tim Hardaway, Isaiah Thomas, and you know, obviously Michael Jordan. And so I would try to model my game after, you know, I would, I would see uh, Tim Hardaway do the UTEP two-step mm. and then I would go to the park and try to do it myself. And then it's taking bits and pieces from, from different people and then you you merge that with your own voice, with your own sensibility, and that's where you get your voice from. So in terms of writers who have influenced me and, and writers who have stolen shit from, I mean, you're talking Toni Morrison, uh, Tim O'Brien, Angela Nissel. And these are people that I, I was reading when I was like in my late teens, early 20s. Yeah. Who really, I guess, when I think about like the foundational authors who have influenced me, these are the people. Joseph Heller, Chuck Klosterman. My dad. Weep. Yeah, weep young. As I grew older and started reading reading more people, then that, that list expanded. But in terms of like the foundational and also too, I, I have to have to name Ghostface Killer, I have to name Nas, Inspector Deck, Biggie, Lauren Hill. All those cultural influences. You know, um, I got a lot of my sensibility with with writing came from listening to rap music and listening to hip hop and just the way that people would construct their rhymes and the rhythm and the way they mastered punctuation and 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 word choice uh black thought from the roots also common at that time not not, not common currently <laughs> yeah not not common current i mean and again we're talking you know we're talking when i'm like 19 20 20 years old there's all this talk right now about banning books nationally, but also around Pittsburgh. Schools like Hemfield and Franklin Regional, and I don't mean to shade them that much, but I'm not surprised it's happening in schools like that. Um, you're a dad. Are there any books you wouldn't want your kids reading in school? I mean, I don't. I don't want them to be reading like Penthouse Letters or Hustler. Can they read your book? They could. They could read my book. They could read my. I mean, if if they're able to to get it. Right. Like if they're able to understand the concepts behind it and not and not just read like the language and see the cuss words and say, oh, daddy cuss on a page. But once they're able to understand what's happening in the book, yeah, read the book. Of course, there's going to be some discernment in terms of what our, our children are, are allowed to consume or able to watch. And that will depend on 
are feelings about their own maturity levels and how they'll be able to understand and handle the things that they're consuming. But again, I was exposed to adult material at an early age, and I, I, I don't see a problem with that happening. I, I think that as long as you're there to help them understand what's actually happening and, and there to answer questions and, and, and there to, you know, they, they read a thing and they're trying to understand it contextually. And I think that's the parent's job is to provide that for them. So, so again, obviously, you know, I'm not going to have my six-year-old reading The Godfather, <laughs> the explicit parts of it. But if she's 12 yeah, and she wants to read it, then sure. So you, you've got a lot of jobs. You talk about me having a lot of jobs. You have a lot of jobs. And one of which is writing for the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. You wrote a piece where you wonder why your book hasn't been banned. Why do you think this is becoming such a hot button issue right now with with books being banned from schools? It's it's a way that white people are trying to, I guess, recenter or or flatten a, a narrative and and basically just take control of the education system. And that's all this is about. You know, it's not even about within these books. It's about maintaining, you know, white supremacy and anything that that runs counter to that, anything that maybe allows you to inhabit another person's, you know, another person's head, another person's mindset, another perspective. You know, because and 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 question things and also that builds empathy. When you when you're able to, you know, at least have somewhat of an exposure to someone else's experience, someone who is not Christian, someone who is not straight, someone who is not cisgender, someone who is not white, someone who is not American, someone who is not able bodied, you know, and going going down the list or whatever. So it's it's all a part of this larger game to continue to rig the system. You have a podcast coming out tomorrow for the sake of transparency. I'm a producer on that podcast. So I, you know, I like to feel like it's like a we. It's it's a we. It's a we. You've, you've had a lot, you've had, a, you've had a lot, you've had a lot of input. I've been there. You know, <laughs> you've made a lot of suggestions. You're on, you're literally on a podcast multiple times. You do a lot of really great voice work on it. <laughs> and so don't, yeah, don't, don't try to minimize your contribution Morgan, thank you. You know you were you're a very important part of this show. Yeah, I mean this podcast has gotten me to read a lot more, but uh, <laughs> this podcast with Crooked Media and Spotify called "Stuck with Damon Young." You're the host. Like I said, I was a producer. How proud are you right now to see it go live? Uh, I don't know if proud is the word I would use. It's more anxious because <laughs> this thing has been in gestation for. For a couple of years yeah. now, um, you know, and we've had, you know, multiple starts and stops. And, you know, even even now we, we are still editing. We're still editing. We're still, um, you know, just crafting and, and, and just trying to figure out, you know, what figuring out like the best sound and the, and, the, and the best way for each of these episodes to exist. And so, again, at this point, you know, after hearing my voice over and over and over and over again, and, and I hate listening to my voice. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to let other people hate hearing my voice. For the first episode, you explore the issue of schooling with Pulitzer Prize winning writer Nicole Hannah-Jones. And you were, you were at Wilkinsburg High School. Um, what did you teach there? What did you teach at Wilkinsburg? English and also Spanish and also gym and also math and also study hall and also in school suspension. I was a sub. I was a sub. I was a sub most of my time there, and I also had a classroom 
for about a year and it was a junior senior high school so there could be a day where you where i was like in a seventh grade like te- like on a seventh grade math floor and i i hate it hate it hate it that's a rough age hate it all right when we think of teachers we think of how important it is to have like really dope elementary school teachers and also really really dope high school teachers but the middle school teachers have the most difficult job of anyone yeah because middle school kids are not human <laughs> <laughs> right they're they're in this space where they are mature enough they're like they're going through puberty and they just have all this stuff going on in their brains and their bodies they're saying swears they're, yeah they're learning and it, it, they think they know more than they actually know and it's just i'm talking college preschool high school elementary school no that stretch from like from like sixth grade to i'd say from fifth grade to to eighth that, that space right there, it's, oh my goodness. If you see a middle school teacher today in the street, in the wild, buy them lunch. They deserve it. Give them a hug. Give them money. Socially distance hug. Um, Give them money. Yeah, just give them some money. Give them a vacation, a spa day, foot massage, something. So in your podcast, what's one episode that, I mean, I know they're all your babies, but that you love the most or a topic or a guest that you felt like the conversation went places that you didn't think it was going to go. I mean, there's, there's three that, that really stick out to me. And that's the sex episode, which I think is a second one. Um, and that's with, uh, Syeda Grundy and Jason Reynolds. Um, there is the, the money episode. Yeah. With, with Samantha Irby and Mirsa Broderon and also the race episode with uh, with Laura Michelle Jackson and Terrence, Terrence Nance. But also the the relig- the, uh, the God and Religion episode with Brittany Cooper and Roy Wood Jr. was also a really fun, really dope conversation. I, I really enjoyed the mental health conversations with Kiese and um, Joy Hart and Brand. I mean, shit, I... You can't play favorites. I get it. Having a podcast was never an aspiration for me. Right. And Crooked reached out and, you know, we were able to create a show that 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 felt right to me, that made sense to me. And so I wouldn't have done any of this unless it was exactly what I wanted to do. So your book, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker, isn't banned yet, but you 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 managed to get Jack off in print in The Washington Post. Is that like a consolation prize? I did. You know, it's funny because I did put Jagoff in there and I, I did it because of the obviously because of the Pittsburgh thing and I wanted to put like and I thought it sounded right with what I was trying to say but I never actually say Jagoff yeah no that's, that's just not a word that comes out of my mouth for any reason ever but I just felt like it fit for what I was trying to say I, I think I said feckless Jagoffs um in a, in, a, in a sentence but it's not a word that I actually ever say Damon, thank you so much for your time. Your podcast comes out March 22nd. Every Tuesday, there will be a new episode dropped on Spotify. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Morgan. Happy to be on. A smidge more news before you go. Amazon has warehouses popping up all over the country, but Churchill will not be one of those places. After eight months of public hearings and protests from neighbors, Amazon has decided to pull out of the proposed massive warehouse project over by the old Westinghouse campus. They claim it would have added about 1,100 jobs, but residents did not want all those trucks outside their homes. You know, the light pollution, the noise pollution. Anyway, 
about 4,000 people still work for Amazon in other ways across the region. If you've driven by PPG Paints Arena recently, you may have seen the enormous crane that they've put up in what used to be an old Penn's parking lot. Developers broke ground in the fall on a 26-story office tower anchored by First National Bank. And now officials say they're about to get started on a live music venue. They're hoping to have it up and running in a huge parking garage next door by late 2023. And something to look forward to this week, the classic film 9 to 5 was based in part on a real collective of women working in offices around the country. And its founder, Ann Hall, is a Pitt grad. That's amazing. She's doing a free talk on Thursday with the Battle of Homestead Foundation about how the movement got started. There's also a documentary you can check out ahead of all of it. 9 to 5, The History of a Movement is streaming on PBS and Netflix. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you like what we're doing, let people know, your friends, your neighbors, your zany uncle who doesn't like the news that much anyway, but might like me, give it a shot. Leave us a review and subscribe to our morning newsletter too. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Working nine to five. Okay.